it was glorious and I am so glad that they won uh what else can I say um, I'm recording now so it was have fun with it oh okay so I should stop I don't know you, you, you just gotta have fun with it now okay <laughs> <laughs> because everybody's in All a right, good mood I... after a night pleasure's room I know. It's, there's just nothing like it. Are you ready to roll? Yeah. Should, I, should we go ahead and jump yeah, in? Yeah, we should do it. All right. Wait, how does it start again? <laughs> Wait, what am I doing? Okay. I, I don't know. I, I think it's, uh, at this point it's, it's not salvageable, so we're just going to go ahead and, and just jump right into it. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? <laughs> Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Tara Bowen Biggs, here with... Danny Morang, and we are here basking in the afterglow of a wonderful Portland Trailblazers win against the Oklahoma City Thunder. We had a what meetup tonight, and Dan, what did you think about the women's hoops and talks uh, meetup that we had this evening? This is the second one I've been to, so uh, tonight I brought my, my girlfriend for her first experience. She's, she is, has been a Blazers fan for a while, and getting more into it because this is, you know, what I do for a living now. But she's going to be hanging out with you, so she better. <laughs> so that's kind of a prerequisite. Um, so, and thankfully, um, she loves it, and, and she had a great time tonight. Obviously, it was a great time for for those of us uh, wanting to been pulling for a Blazers win. All you Thunder fans can suck it. I don't know if you're listening or not. Either way, I'll make sure I'm I sure get that across. I'm sure we've got tons of Thunder fans listening. <laughs> you know what? You know what? They're, they're, they're spiteful and petty. So they might be out there from listening, you know. Um, it was really nice. Uh, the one thing that, you know, not just the, the meeting in general, the, the atmosphere. Uh, everybody was really hyped up. I'm fairly certain anybody who was there at McMinniman's looking for a peaceful dinner, um, that was thoroughly <laughs> ruined by the whooping, hooting, and hollering, especially after Ed Davis dunked on the soul of Oklahoma City. And all of you were so excited by that dunk you were i think half the room was fanning themselves they yeah they, i think you were probably caught up in that a little bit too. i, we I looked awesome. around the room that and i was amazing. like oh my god they like <laughs> they, they are worked into a lather in here over shirt off ed with the massive dunk outside of the the cj bucket to basically seal the game there that was easily easily the highlight of night as far as reaction from the room well, my husband and I had this conversation one time. He was wondering why – I asked him, why do you think Ed Davis is so popular with, like, the 40-year-old women in Portland right now? <laughs> <laughs> and I, we decided it's because he's reliable. He does what he says he's going to do. He shows up on time. And he's just you can you can count on him in every situation. And I think that's why we all just appreciate him so much. I'm sure Ed those so are the much. only reasons. <laughs> Absolutely. Well <laughs> – I am super glad that we are, are uh, talking right after a win because the beginning of the week was a little bit rougher on Blazer fans. We yep. Just to do a quick recap, uh, the Blazers played Houston and lost to them 115-111. Dame and CJ combined for 28 points. Twenty had uh, Dame had 20 and CJ only had 8. They were 0 for 12 from 3, and yet the Blaze, it was a really fun game. It was a one-possession game opinion. at the end. Yeah, and I don't want to spend too much time on this game because we've kind of rehashed this over the week a ton. But the, the thing that I said, you know, I kind of went on a, a long diatribe. Yeah, I know that's shocking to everybody. But on Blazers <laughs> Outsiders and, and on the radio and in a couple other places, um, I got the same questions over and over again. Was this a, 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 a good loss or a bad loss? And if you've heard me talk about, you know, good losses versus bad losses, I think that was honestly a good loss because 
two teams who were very good came out and executed their game plans exactly how they wanted to do it. And it came down to the final possession. Um, the Rockets wanted to take away Damon CJ as much as possible and make the role players be those guys. The Blazers wanted to take away everybody basically but James Harden and stay tight on the perimeter and make every, and make James Harden beat them. The problem was is James Harden came ready to play, and the problem for the Rockets was the bench players came ready to play. And so it was just one big right cross after another, just haymaker after haymaker, big play after big play. You got a Minu Cannon four threes in the first quarter, staying hot all game. The defense was phenomenal for long stretches for both teams. There was two lulls for Portland that I think ultimately cost them the game, and I think that's just that's not a – um, breakdown of a game plan or team or anything along the line, those longs, those lines. I think it was more just a little bit of a talent disparity. And Houston's roster is built for how they want to play, piece by piece, up and down the line. A bunch of dudes who can stand out, spread the floor, play defense, and knock down threes. James Harden, Chris Paul, and Eric Gordon. That's that's their roster. The Blazers are still a piece or two away from having the ability to do the same kind of thing on offense. Defensively, I thought, I thought they were great, and Nurkic definitely showed up. So I think you got everything you wanted from both teams that night. That game was two – that night were, there were two excellent teams on the floor, each doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing yep. and at the same time preventing the other team from doing the thing. that they, I mean, it was really – super entertaining and kind of a thing of beauty. And there were several places where there were extended defensive and offensive stands that I kept saying, these are like a little, that was like a little mini Epic. Cause there was like a hero and there was a bad guy. There was a beginning in the middle and end. Yep. And it was like, there were several instances where it, it was just a thing of beauty to watch something unfold like that. And I, I think, you know, you heard for the rest of the week, or at least for the following couple of days on national media, all talking about what an exciting, um, it was probably the best game of the season series that would be yeah, if I, they were able to go against each other for an extended period of time. I'm not sure I'm <laughs> really looking forward to that, but I oh, think it, it would, would just destroy your really nerves exciting. in mind too. I mean, that's, that's just the, yeah, it, the nature of that beast. I, I do have to point out maybe my favorite play of the season occurred in that game. Um, we had the Blazers Outsiders contest, so we were all up in the in the suite with all the contest participants, and everybody was really hyped up. You could feel the arena just kind of working itself into a fever pitch. And Al Aminu is isolated on defense on James Harden, and Harden takes the screen. Aminu gets over it. Harden waves off the screen, then takes it takes it over to the other side, calls for another screen. Aminu works his way over it, cuts off Harden on the drive. Harden steps back, tries to drive again, flops, bounces off of him. Aminu gets right back up in his chest again. Harden flops mm -hmm. and falls to the floor again. I mean, I was so hyped and, and up in the suite. I'm screaming, finish him! Finish him! <laughs> I mean, I'm losing my mind because of the effort and the intensity and everything you could possibly want from Al Farouk Aminu just kind of culminate in that one possession. And you could just, I mean, I, I'm getting a little bit of goosebumps from it right now. The the feeling in the arena, I have not had that in Moda Center, and honestly, in a, in a couple of years. And that, yeah. to have the that feeling restored. fantastic. Yeah, and shout out to everybody who was, who was there that night because that felt like the old Moda Center, the, the Memorial Coliseum, the Rose Garden. I mean, it it had that intensity of if you're a visiting team coming in there for a playoff and you're playing against that crowd, that's 
That's a true sixth man, and that's brutal to play against for 48 minutes. Yeah, the, I could I could feel it from home, watching from home. I could feel that the crowd was really there that night. That was that was awesome. And of course, you know, I love when Aminu plays well. And it was uh, Aminu, Harkless, and Nurkic. They they had 22, 17, and 21. That's yeah. a lot of points from the role players. So I'm sure it's been talked to for, you know, days and days. But the fact that Damon and CJ could have an off night and the rest of the guys could step up and do what they were supposed to do. It would be a one-possession game against exciting. the hottest team in the league, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I remember a, one specific instance of a really nice uh, Napier isolation or a Napier defensive stand On as hard. well. Yep. where he late in the game. Yeah, just just wouldn't let go. Yeah, yep. there was, there's a the positive residual Twitter account. Have you? Oh yeah. Do you those, follow, those guys are great. They've been putting out some more recent, uh, based with some new stats that I think that the NBA has made available that show who guards who during the game. And the ones for that game were very interesting to see how they've changed from the different times Portland has played against Houston. Cause like one game earlier in the season, it was just pretty much, Evan Turner just guarded Harden the whole time. And then uh, in this particular instance, they had much more immediate and heartless. Well, a lot of people, they passed. It was, it was much more evenly distributed yeah. who got to heart. So yeah, where just, are you uh, down? To, uh, that, that, that's well, the reality. It also tells it. me that this team has gotten to a place where they feel much more comfortable switching and doing those defensive types of things that come with practice and repetition together. Yep. That they could, you know, it's not like, okay, we just have to put Evan Turner on Harden and then everybody, you know, it was like they trusted each other to pass him around and Much to more stick with him when they needed to. A lot more, yeah. lot more faith in the system, which is really cool. And, and again, I don't want to harp on it too much, but I, I do want to say that that, that game to me was Al Farouk Aminu's best game as a trailblazer yes. Bo- on, on both ends of the floor. He was, he, he was, I mean, if you get 75% of that guy every night, the Blazers are in a good position. Yeah, it was a it was a thing in beauty to watch. You know, you know how much I like watching him. But let's move on. So that that was a loss. We got pretty excited about talking about it, but unfortunately, it still was an L for the Trailblazers. And, and then, then the they, inexcusable loss. They took on Boston and they lost to Boston, 105-100. 30 points from Marcus Morris. I knew that was going to happen. Unbelievable. Damon CJ played better than they did the game before in so far as they each had 26 points and they did hit more of their threes all because the game before, That's remember they didn't difficult. even hit any threes. <laughs> they, you know, CJ was still one of four from three. Aminu had another really nice night. He had 16 points this time, 10 rebounds and five steals. They led a lot of that game, but that fourth quarter they were outscored thirty-eight to twenty-three. You're not going to win a game, got and that's what happened. Murdered in that fourth quarter. What do you quarter? think happened there? Um, I, I came into that game thinking, yeah, but why? The, like, what changed? Well, I, honestly, I came into that game thinking that Portland would handle that in a workmanlike effort with the way they've been playing lately, um, mm-hmm. and it started out the game that way, and then I think they got comfortable because Boston was missing some guys. Um, I thought we'd, and I'd hoped we'd gotten past that point. Um, but I, I thought they got a lot of, uh, I thought they got really lax in their coverage. Um, I, their closeouts just weren't good. I think that there might've been a little bit of a hangover from the streak. There's a lot of pressure that comes with that. You ride a lot of energy, you ride a lot of highs. 
And when you lose one, I think it's it's hard to kind of get back on the horse. Not that it's like sad or depressing or anything, but you're 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 feeding off the emotion of that streak. Mm-hmm. When it's gone, it's you it's know, sometimes a little bit harder to, to to get back into that groove because you feel like all the things that you're doing right they weren't enough to keep the streak going. Well, yeah, but also the other thing you got to consider is like just because they won thirteen in a row doesn't mean they're never gonna lose again. I mean, it's like it's it's that whole thing where they're not done they're they're never going to be done growing and perfecting their game so but i think like you're right they i think they got to a point where they were like okay now we've figured out how to when we can get it back again and then we can kind of cruise and then what i saw in that game which i i hadn't really seen before in the fourth quarter when they started to lose their lead i saw damian lord step out on the court and he looked weary to me and I don't know really how to describe it. It's like, he just had this body language that just like, he felt like, Oh God, now we have to come back in and we have to fight back. And he just looked like, I don't know. Weary is just the word for it. And yeah, I just no, was like, I think, why are, I think you're why, right. And there's, why are you guys feeling weary? <laughs> you just got to the point where you can get super hot and win a whole bunch of games. You're not to the place yet where you're like the team from the Bay area. Who's like, Oh God, okay. We got to come in there and we got to finish this out. And this is annoying. It's like, you guys are not to that point yet. And I think they had just, they, they got a little confident in themselves that and they were, and they were just gonna be like, Oh gosh, we got to go back in and finish this. And then it was too late. And I think that was a good wake up call because what my point was is like, you're never done learning how to win games. You can get good at winning games, but you're never like perfect at it. And so they, they have to figure out how to do another thing, which is to close those games where they're feeling like, Oh, we should have had that. They need to learn how to finish that. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that makes sense. No, no, it, it does. <laughs> and I think you're, you're definitely onto something here. And I don't know if this is playing into it, but I, I, I can tell you that at least in, from my perspective, um, if I had if if my girlfriend was was pregnant and past her due date or at her due date, I'd be mentally fatigued too with, with <laughs> my first kid on the way. And I don't know if that's the case, and I'm not trying to insinuate it was, but I am willing to give Damian Lillard a little bit of sure. a pass in that perspective. Uh, as mm-hmm. we're recording this, we still haven't heard any news about Dame hopping on a plane back, so um, he could still be sitting there a little restless about it. Um, and I, I hope all that stuff goes great and well and smooth and easy for him um, and, and for his his girlfriend and the whole family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for my own yeah. selfish reasons, I want him back at, at full strength. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, of course, don't mean anything by, like, you know, he shouldn't, you know, I totally understand that he's got a lot going on right now. It was just sort of that whole, the way the whole it, team It had more of a basketball of, feel to it. I, I, I'm with you yeah. on that. But I think that in the back of his mind, uh, I don't think he's actively thinking about it all day, every day dur- well, during the game. But I think that that kind of yeah. mental fatigue can definitely play a part in the uh, in the long run. Yeah, sure, sure. He's probably, and it's it's more than just like anticipating when the baby's going to arrive. It's like the worrying about whether or not he's going to get there, worrying about how How's she's she doing, feel, how's the baby doing, how she's going to feel. Yep. She's probably just miserable right now because <laughs> those last days of pregnancies, not you don't particularly feel like you're glowing, as I, have, I recall. I, I have no idea, so I'm not I'm I'm not going to. To, to hypothesize that that I was trying to think of a baby, a more anticipated baby that I could think of. So I think when Prince William 
was yeah. when we were all waiting for Lady Day to give birth to Prince William. There was there was that, and then God, that 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 know, dominated the else? news cycle and tabloids. <laughs> you know, pre social media, something like that. What nowadays. other more anticipated baby is there? Has yeah, there been? There hasn't been any presidential City. babies or anything. So yeah, I mean, this is this is definitely the one. Well, keep our fingers crossed for them. So finally, uh, the OKC game, the Blazers won that one, 108-105. I think that was right. I wrote down 195, and I know that's not what the score was. That would have been fun. 108-105, behind 34 points from CJ, 24 points from Damian. The Blazers defeated OKC to complete the sweep over the the Thunder. Doesn't that feel good? Can we just sit with that for a minute? And and we got the anticipated Russell Westbrook meltdown. Yes. Yeah, so there was quite a skirmish, a, a big dust-up. What did you see happen there? <laughs> um, I, I saw Terrence Ferguson take, take uh, slight, I guess, to the fact that Ed Davis had the audacity to go over his back. It wasn't even like a hard foul. He just Ed well, Ed fouled him. Fell on top. Yeah, I mean that's that's all it was. He, he was he went over his back and just kind of fell on him. He didn't push him, didn't throw him, didn't do anything. There's there's no extracurriculars there. It was just a a common crash the boards over the back, probably too aggressive offensive foul or uh, a loose ball foul. Boy was. Terrence Ferguson was not happy, and Russell Westbrook, he, when we were talking about it, we're sitting there, like, Westbrook's getting ready to go. The possession before, he threw an elbow, tried to catch somebody, um, and you you could see it brewing. Uh, And then Westbrook decided he wanted a piece of Ed. Ed looked at him like, you can't be serious. And before it even got to that, Evan Turner did his best Andre Miller and came from out of the frame and threw Terrence Ferguson into Russell Westbrook and let it be known that there would be none of that. And I think the best part about the entire situation was both Evan Turner's look on his face like, let's go, and the immediate stone-cold stoic reaction of Stephen Adams, the peacemaker, coming in like, hey, come on down, everybody. It's, it's always funny to me when the biggest dudes in the world are the ones who kind of come in like, hey, everybody settle down. Just, 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 you're not going to do anything. Everybody settle down. Yeah, I mean... Steven Adams to me always seems like the uh, not really the voice of reason, but the <laughs> kind of like kind of like, do we really want to get excited about this? You know, <laughs> like he's kind of the guy that's like, OK, let's let's wait so we can really rumble about something. Uh, you know, this this probably isn't the time for us to get worked up because I'm sure we got something that we can all, you know, take to each other later. But yeah, yeah it, it it's was... just funny when Cal Drogo's the you know the one calming everybody down. <laughs> I, I just I just always yeah. find that that awkward. And we're gonna and everybody out there, we're gonna I'm gonna have to throw this one out there because I just can't let it slide. You said tonight that Joe Freeman looks more like Cal Drogo. Joe Freeman of the Oregonian looks more like Cal Drogo than Stephen Adams. A small Cal Drogo. He's a pocket-sized guy. I love Joe. Joe's a a fantastic writer and a great beat reporter. But I do not see Cal Drogo and Joe Freeman. Okay, uh, he's got those, like, dark Dothraki eyes, and he's got, like, the dark beard and the long pullback hair. 
I mean, I'm, <laughs> he just reminds me of him, and he always has. He's a much smaller Cal Drogo, Drogo but <laughs> he looks like Dothraki. Let's just say that. All right, all right. So the, the, the tribe of Freeman lives on. <laughs> but definitely the the all the other folks in the room at Women's Hoops and Talks were with you that Stephen Adams looks more like Cal Drogo, and I – I could I can totally see that too. But anyway, there's quite a dust up, but the Blazers come away with the win and a very we they really we, have to, that. we, now, we have to address one more thing about the dust up. Nobody got tossed. Nobody got hit with a flagrant. Like I was almost certain that Evan Turner was getting tossed. Anytime you come running from out of the frame and send two guys flying after the play, it's bare minimum flagrant foul. Bare Yeah, that was bare pretty minimum. shocking. The rest decided not even flagrant, offsetting technicals, and then a personal foul on Ed Davis. And I was like, how in the world is Evan Turner not getting hit with a flagrant foul here? Well, and, you know, I guess 20 years ago, people would be laughing at us for even considering the fact that people, you know, should have been it's further for that proof. Yeah, well, it's further proof that nobody knows what a flagrant foul is still. Right. Also, how soft we've all gotten, right? That's where you're supposed to say that. Oh, yeah. No, that's just just a given. (laughs) Well, I was super glad that we got that win. Now, before the game, you were saying how uh, tremendously important it was for the Blazers to get this. And I totally get that. Yeah, the Blazers needed it because now they have, you know, they have the well. It's a two game swing. Right. Because the Thunder were nipping at their heels. The Thunder. I mean, it wasn't right it, it wasn't evident when the game started, but the Thunder have been playing really well over the last ten days. Oh yeah. So and then Portland yeah. comes out and smacks them in the jaw. It's an eighteen they point like 10 lead. Out of Thirteen. Yeah, but I mean Portland has an eighteen point lead to start the game, and I'm thinking, okay, I mean even even if the Thunder work themselves back into this game, it should be something that. Portland handles really well. <laughs> Dan, I can't believe that you still think an 18-point lead. It's a 21-point swing. That is not normal. That is not usual. Game of runs or not. We go over this like every week. There is no lead that's safe. That's that's a problem. Give me a 30-point lead, and I'm happy. That's a problem. And I was hoping I, Portland was past this point. To get in that much of in a hole, you mean you you think that they should not even be in any business of getting in even a hole that big in the first place? Yeah, no. I, I, I if you've got a, a lead that big, you should be able to at least let's say Oklahoma City goes on a, a 12-0, 15-0. Oh, sorry, run. I'll need, Yeah, yeah, no, they get a 12-0, 15-0 run, and Portland still got two, three, four point lead. That's when. I would like to see them come out, run some bread and butter plays, get a couple really good possessions and reestablish order and start to build on something again. And there were stretches of this game where they just did they it, they looked more like the Blazers from a couple months ago than they'd had over the past 2 months. And that worried me a game. little bit. Yeah, that worried me a little little bit. In what in what ways? Like, what did you see that you hearkened back to the beginning of the season when things were going more difficult for well, the Blazers? Well, to start the game, I honestly felt like the Blazers were overpassing it a bit. Uh, Aminu had Carmelo on the on the, uh, on the the wing in the corner, and Melo's just giving him the baseline. I, I, you, you heard me. I was screaming, take the baseline, take the baseline, take it. He's giving it to you. Aminu took it, and he had an uncontested layup. 
And uh-huh. he instead decided to kick it out to Harkless, who canned the three, which was great. But it was like, ah, I don't know if that's necessarily the right play. In the end, it worked out. But again, if you're playing percentages and you're playing a, a particular style, you know, the layup or a dunk is the most valuable shot in basketball. You don't uh-huh. you don't want to concede those. And there was another one. I, I can't remember if it was Dame or CJ. The exact same situation. Kicked it out. Again, got the three. Got the open look for three, but missed it. And I was like, eh. I'm enjoying this. Last week, hold on a sec. Last week when Myers Leonard was going to the hoop, like on his way to dunking it, and he kicked it out for the three, you said that was the right thing to do in that situation. It was the right thing to do. He did have somebody meeting him at the rim. It It wasn't an uncontested shot. Uh, that, that, that's that's so the that's the only the, the, the two that I'm referencing. The was, they, they were they were completely uncontested. Like they beat him off the dribble, and and in both instances, Westbrook was the help defender, and he offered no help. And that was a theme throughout the night. <laughs> I mean, there were there was one play where CJ drove again to the baseline, and I think it was Westbrook was on Turner in the corner, and Westbrook was two feet away, hands at his side, standing straight up and down. Feet shoulder width apart, didn't even move. Just turned his head and looked at CJ, and stayed tighter on Turner and didn't didn't budge didn't didn't budge at all. Didn't offer any help. That's CJ McCollum on 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 Carmelo Anthony. Help him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's gonna get yeah. roasted. And I'm glad he didn't. But yeah, that was so overpassing. A thing you think that was one thing? I, it was it was overpassing, but I think in a good way. It was breeding unselfishness, and and it continued for a quarter and a half. And then the ball just got stagnant as hell. I mean, you, the Blazers, it's the ball stopped a ton, and mm-hmm. it, it went a little hero bally there for some stretches. And some of the other guys kind of tuned out a little bit for a few possessions. Um, and I wasn't a fan. There's, there's a balance that they were striking that was perfect over really for the past 20 or so games. And they vacillated between both of those um, extremes throughout this game. Thankfully, they were able to pull it out. But I, I felt like they ignored Nurkic for long stretches of time um, when they could have really utilized him. The Blazers ignored Nurkic? Yeah. Okay. So I think the difference between you and me, Dan, is that when the Blazers are down by 18, I still think that they have a chance. And you think when they're up by 18, that there's no way that they can lose. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I always think there's a, there's an opportunity to lose and an opportunity to win. Um, it's just playing the percentages more than anything. Yeah. Well, I was really glad that they won because I also wrote, uh, uh, I contributed to the uh, a Thunder blog earlier this week, the Daily Thunder. They asked questions about from writers from different uh, teams that they would be playing mm-hmm. throughout the week, and they wanted to know like who was going to win and what the Blazers were going to play like and all that stuff. And I just went on heavy about how good the Blazers were going to be. <laughs> Shout out David Brandon. <laughs> David Brandon's the and homie. about how the Blazers were going to win, and I was so relieved that they won because I didn't want to sound dumb. <laughs> mm-hmm. Put the jinx on them. So, Go to blame Tara, yeah. everybody. Go to blame Tara. 
No, it's yeah, it, but it didn't happen. I, I got that one right. Well, so let's let's move on and talk about a few more times. Talk- anything you want to say about those three games? No, I think we're we're we've kind of got those ones pegged away now. And, and do, do you think do you think we mo- learned more from the losses or from the win? Uh, I think we learned a lot about this team in the Houston loss. I think we learned a little bit about this team in the loss to the Celtics that as high as we were even after a loss to the Rockets, there's still some lingering issues that need to be resolved with consistency and style um, Mm -hmm. that they can't get complacent. Um, Otherwise things will happen. But with this win, do you think that we learned anything? Because one of the things that I was I think they just had the Thunder's about. number. Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah, that's, that's true. Well, Nurkic is. I mean, and Adams had a good game tonight for the first time. I think in, in all four games, he had he was pretty pretty damn effective. Um, but Nurkic has has really won these battles, and that was a reason why I really wanted to see them utilize Nurkic more. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, the, the replay's on right now in that exact possession where Aminu got to the rim uncontested, kicks it out to CJ. That's who it was. And CJ ended up missing the shot, and Mello absolutely pushed the living hell out of Nurkic on the rebound. Good God. And I, I will say this. This game was horribly officiated at times. They, 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 they called some ticky-stack stuff, and then they also, which Dane was a beneficiary of, and then they let some absolutely ridiculous stuff go. It was uh-huh. the consistency of officiating um, was not good tonight. Well, actually, let's talk a little. There was a question that I had for you during the really started during the Houston game. Mm-hmm. And so Portland fans definitely do not like watching James Harden. I think we can probably. It's agree not just on Portland that. fans. <laughs> I, I've, I've put this out on Twitter before that the, the, it was tongue in cheek, but also quite serious. I don't enjoy watching James Harden at all. I, I said that, you know, I put up the, the list of things I'd rather do than watch James Harden, like a root canal, spinal tap, jumping on a bed of So why don't needles. you like watching James Harden? I think he's a Hall of Fame caliber player. I think he's a, one of the most dynamic offensive talents in league history. But the, the extra stuff is just so brutally painful to watch. The flopping, the flailing... The throwing of I the arms. I feel like arms. he's cut down on the flopping and the flailing in the last season. I don't see nearly as much of it this year the, as I've seen in years past. Maybe the level of egregiousness has dropped off, but it's just uh, it's just it's just so extra, and I just absolutely despise it. To the, well, I'm not trying to be a James Harden apologist here, but one thing I did want to ask you about is like, a lot of people don't like watching James Harden because they don't like watching those fouls. They yeah. don't like watching those fouls where he jumps up and throws himself into, it looks like he's jumping up, throwing mm-hmm. himself into somebody else, and then he gets the call. So let's talk a little bit about those fouls because I've seen Damian and CJ yep. do those exact same maneuvers more successfully this year, especially as the year goes on. And I don't think that we can complain that much about Harden doing it when we're seeing CJ and Dame get rewarded for it. <coughs> so what I'd like to do is I'd like to find out like exactly what is that foul and what are, how is it supposed to be called as far as you understand it? It was a very hot topic last season and during the off season as well. Yeah. So the, the NBA has said not just the rip through move, but the jumping into somebody to initiate contact was supposed to, both were supposed to be points of emphasis um, where you're not supposed to be rewarded for free throws on a rip through. 
and you're not Wait, supposed so a rip through what is that technically something so you yeah you rip through for those for anybody who's not aware you've got a hand on each side of the ball a defender puts his arm out extends his arm away from his body towards you and you rip your arms across his arm and then go into a shooting motion to draw the foul now, so you're putting, you have the ball and you have it in your hands and you raise your hands up underneath the, the defender's To initiate the hands. contact that he, and here, here's my okay, whole. that's the rip. Yes, and here's my whole take okay. on this and versus what the NBA says should be a foul and what my interpretation and what I've asked around a lot of, in, in the, around the league, um, what they would like to see this properly instituted or called as such. For me, the idea that as a defender that you can have you can't have your arm extend let's say you put your arm straight out parallel with the floor and you have okay. your you've established that position and you aren't moving it you're denying the passing lane you're denying vision whatever it is why is it okay. that if you have established that position that the offensive player has the right to hit your arm out of the way and draw a foul in that position when okay if you got there first why did exactly. they get to come up and now, over it okay here's here's my reasoning behind it if you're driving to the rim and a defender has his arm outstretched to block your shot and you move his arm out of the way what is that typically called it's an offensive foul okay why is it not an offensive foul in that position what changes it doesn't make any sense so okay. that, that play alone, I, I absolutely hate every part about it. The other one is, and this Dame has been a huge beneficiary of this over the last couple of months, is the coming off the screen, throwing on the brakes, and having the defender jump into you or drag into you or bump you, you know, in the hips and the legs, um, basically from the waist down, and drawing a three free throw opportunity behind the three-point line. Uh-huh. And Harden is the guy that kind of came up with it. Harden and Chris Paul. Chris Paul was great at this in Los Angeles. Even more so now. And now they're both on the yeah. same team. <laughs> um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the Trailblazers have hired a man who was a former official and worked with the league um, and is now helping the Blazers understand how games are called, what's called, when it's called, and how and why it's called. And the Blazers, particularly Damian Lillard, getting to the free throw line more often despite driving less. So he's, over the last month, he's averaging almost 10 free throws a game. The month before that, he was uh, at eight free throws a game. On the season, he's at 7.3. So let's let let's you know he's, he's getting to the line a ton. Getting better. Much, uh-huh. much more recently, especially as the season goes on. And I don't think mm-hmm. it's coincidence that the Blazers are working with a guy who's helping them understand how, where, why, when fouls are called. No, I, I think they've learned a lot from this, and I have also noticed a lot less uh, complaining about calls, and more, especially from Nurkic. Remember and more about generating to, them. Yeah, I mean, they've they've figured, they've kind of unlocked the the key <laughs> almost that I'm kind of surprised that more uh, other teams aren't capitalizing on seeing their success. I suppose they all will catch up with them next year. But my point about Harden is that our Damon, uh, Damien and now CJ 
getting those same kinds of fouls or are theirs somehow like less egregious to watch? Dane you know is certainly. And, and you, you, when, we, when you asked me about this tonight, I, I said, it, I don't like it one bit, but if they're going to call it this way, you have to take advantage of it. If you're, well, yeah, if you're that's not, what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're not doing it, um, and this, remember, uh, I think it was, what, was it a month or so, maybe a little bit more ago, we had the discussion whether or not it was the right thing to do to complain about calls. Like, if, mm-hmm. it, like, if that's going to generate more calls for you. Because the Blazers as a team and as an organization have not been a team that really complains much. Think about the, mm-hmm. the, the leaders of this team over the past few years. Damian Lillard, not really a guy that complains a whole ton. Um, I mean, Marcus, he talks a lot. Uh, he's not a guy that goes to the refs a ton. He, I mean, yeah, but he doesn't. He doesn't do the same thing that like you know Chris Paul does, no, or the guys who put their hands up by their face and get all agitated. No, about it. and when he does, he usually has a pretty good beef, and I think that's kind of been what the Blazers have been about. And that's not even just me being a homer, because anybody. Uh, oh come on, you've you've watched plenty of games with me and heard me say there's no way that was a foul. There's nothing. There's right. no reason for him to complain. I agree with that. And, and here's, here's my whole thing. I mean, you look at Dame, you look at LaMarcus, before that you look at Brandon Roy. These, these aren't guys that, that really that wasn't a part of their game. They got to the free throw line well enough, but as mm-hmm. far as being complainers and, and working the rest of the entirety of the game, that just, that just wasn't who they are. So I think they mm-hmm. may have found a way to generate those opportunities and those looks without giving off the perception of being that whiny team like the Clippers, yeah. like the Rockets, like, like the Cavs. Um, the Warriors, to an extent, do it. Um, Draymond and, and, well, and is- Kevin Durant more than Steph and Clay, But um, I, I think there's you know that perception I that goes with have- it. Uh, come to appreciate Nurkic more a lot over the last like month and a half. Yes, you have. And one of the things that I've noticed from him is uh, he's no longer spending so much time imploring the refs about everything. He does occasionally, but the first part of this year, every time there was a call, he had his hands clasped and he was chasing them around and asking them for a play. And it was, it would, it would take him out of it. And I feel like he's gotten to a point now where, yeah, sometimes he has, he's not happy with it or he has a question, but he gets on with the play. Yep. And that's one of the signs of maturity I've seen out of him that I appreciate. Though, I think it's, part. I think that the, that's the organization. I think that's the specialists they brought in. And I think that's playing mm-hmm. alongside somebody like Ed Davis in practice. Mm-hmm. Ed Davis and Al Farouk Camino. If they tell you they didn't commit a foul, I'm pretty prone to go with what they're saying. Cause mm-hmm. they're usually, if, if they commit a foul, they usually kind of, Nod their head like, yeah, no, I fouled the hell out of them. They know. They did. <laughs> yeah, they, they, don't, they don't argue. If, if Al Farouk Aminu has his hands up in the air with his mouth wide open, like, what did you just say? <laughs> There's a good chance it was a clean block or a, a clean uh-huh. play or a clean steal. Um, and I, I think as I, – I want to hope and I want to believe that that does have an impact on officials. Like the the, under, the understanding having that having a couple guys on the team that aren't going to argue everything exactly like, make the game easier for through. you to to officiate the game because I I mean I've I've refed at high school and low level college guys I'll tell you right now guys that complained the entire game oh god I swallow my whistle every time mm-hmm. like nah man you're not you're not doing this I, I'm I'm not I'm not playing this game and I I think there's there's a mental part of that that has to be at play. Um, if it's not, I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> 
Well, I think I think it's uh, definitely been something to watch, and I I think the bringing in the specialists seems to have had a real impact. I mean, like you were saying, Damien is now getting to the line nearly ten, 10 times, a game. times a game. That's 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 insane. Yeah, that Tonight he was eleven for eleven from. He he started the year like he, seven and a half. Or yeah, something. He, he started about at his average, but you could tell when his when his ankle bothered him, it dropped off a ton. Uh-huh. He was at three yeah. and five. Five and a half, six, and now it's spiking back up again. Yeah, he didn't want to go up in there. Well, if if we're done, if you're feeling like we're done, ready to move on, I wanted to pivot and uh, talk about CJ McCollum for a little while tonight. He had a fantastic night tonight. His ble- his best closing to- quarter of the season. Yeah, and one of the things, you know, you sent me a a note that you wanted to talk about today, and you said the question for tonight is CJ Clutch. So I'd like to know. Go ahead and expand on that. Is is CJ Clutch? So the reason I, I, I asked this is is it's kind of two part. Uh, one, uh, I, I've talked to a few people uh, privately that have been very, very, very critical of CJ's end of game performance this year, um, and I think it's his end of game performance this year has overshadowed how effective and efficient he was last year. Um, I mean, if you look at, at CJ's numbers last year in the clutch, and then keep in mind the clutch, final five minutes, within five points, ahead or behind, um, CJ shot 54% from the field, 45% from three, and 95% from the free throw line. Wow. That's, yeah, that's I can absurd. tell you right now from the free throw line, that is not the same this year. <laughs> no, that is absolutely absurd. This year... Um, he, this is again. This is before tonight. Uh, I don't believe that the numbers have updated. I, let, me, let me refresh it just in case we can kind of keep it up to date. Uh, okay, so th- it has since updated ever so slightly because he was shooting a little bit worse from the field, but he is now shooting forty three percent from the field, thirty two percent from three, and seventy five percent from the line. Wow, those are significant. Those are significantly different. Big time drops. And again, they're not terrible numbers, but they're not what we saw last year. And what we, when you think of CJ McCollum, you don't think as a guy who struggles in closing situations. At least, I wouldn't think so on a normal basis. If you asked a relatively knowledgeable basketball fan, a national basketball fan who knows CJ McCollum well enough. I don't think that they would assume that he had struggled at all in closing situations. Would, would you agree with that? You mean this year? Yeah. Or in in the past? Either way. Would you, I mean, would, would I you think know. that the he narrative had, is that he struggles? Clutch, he missed some clutch three free throws earlier in the year in some pretty high-profile games, as I recall. Oh, he did. But that was just free throws. But again, like, I'm saying the general narrative among an NBA fan, right. aware of Damon C.J., would, yeah, would you I think th- generally people would be like, oh, yeah, CJ, you, you want it in Dame or CJ's hands. If you can't get it in Dame's hands, you want it in CJ's right. hands. And I, I think that's kind of been the mentality. Um, clearly, obviously before tonight, um, CJ has struggled at, uh, at long time uh, in, in those situations. Well, Damian Lillard has shined 46% from the field, 39% from three, 92% from the free throw line. <laughs> that, I mean, you so, don't get much better than what Dame has been. Uh, as far as getting right. to the free throw line in the clutch. Uh, 
So do you have any theories why CJ might be different last year from this year? Is it just more attention on him or what do you think? I honestly don't know because here's the thing. I've gone back and I've watched video clips of his field goal attempts in these situations. And I really can't find what's going on because (laughs) he's getting to his spots. Mm-hmm. There are there are many 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 times where he has just he's been great about getting to his spot but not hitting the shots. His uh, his mid range game, you know, at the elbows where he gets to, um, he's let's see, zero for two, two for eight, three for six in the clutch, in the three kind of mid range pull ups where he gets to. Um, and he's shooting 53% at the rim. Like, if you look at, I'm sitting here looking at his shot chart right now, and there's there's only two spots on the floor where he has more than three shots um, where he's shooting better than league average. And that just... There's only two spots. In the clutch or overall? In the, in the clutch. No, no, okay. this is purely in the clutch. And that's just such a stark contrast to... If you've heard, you know, we talk about this in the podcast over the last couple of months, CJ McCollum as one of the best pure shooters in the league. Mm-hmm. So contrasting those two things has been a little bit difficult for me for to, to find any kind of reason, rhyme or reason for it, because he's getting to the spots you expect him to get to. Though that pull up mid range jumper at the elbow, the floater in the paint, um catching and shooting off the curl, um, coming off the, the um the down picks off the baseline and rising up uh, for the for the wing three. He just hasn't been good in those situations. How do you how do you feel about CJ overall? We had a a, a Twitter comment last week from a young listener from actually the father of a young listener who challenged us, challenged us to think about CJ. Uh, His daughter, he said, believed that CJ might be overrated. And I think it's really important to ask those questions Mm -hmm. as we continue the narrative about the players, especially who are the big stars. I think one of the things that she was talking about in particular was his defense, but just in general, like I said, I think it's important that we, you know, question these dominant narratives. So what do you think about uh, CJ and how he is rated? Maybe like, I don't know how we even rate people, how we even decide whether or not somebody is over or underrated. Sometimes it's like the national, whether or not the national media is talking about them a whole bunch or whether or not they're finishing. What are your thoughts on how CJ is rated? Dame, I think, was underrated for a long time, and now I think he's right where he needs to be. I think CJ has always been properly rated for what his role and what his position is on this team. I think he's one of the few guys around the league who is what he is on this team. Now, if CJ was the number one guy on this team or another team, I think that's an easier discussion to have because the opportunity the um, position he would be put into in in that situation is much, much different than being option. Because it's no longer Damon CJ as in like option 1A, 1B. And, it, you know, the slight variance that we saw. While Damon was always clearly the 1A, 
CJ was on some nights very, very close to that 1A option. Um, uh-huh. I think Dame has elevated Where his game. Where it can game easily with, shift if ex- one exactly. if Dame I, dropped off at all. You can and switch I think over we saw to this, CJ. I think we saw some of that tonight where the Dame realized that CJ had it going. And you could see it at the, at the end of the game before we, we hopped on. We, I was, we were talking about mm-hmm. how Dame was just fired up at how good um, CJ had it going. You could see Dame was, mm-hmm. was fired up. He, he was loving every bit of it. He was, you know, forehead to forehead with CJ, pounding him on the chest like, yeah, I, you, that, that's what we need from you. We need you to be that guy, be that dog. Um, but I think there's clearly an established pecking order of Dame 1, CJ 2. And I, I honestly mm-hmm. think that's the proper way to do it. Because Dame, mm-hmm. I think, to, at least to me, is a legitimate superstar in this league. And you want the ball in your superstar's hand as much as possible. And I think that pulls away from how effective CJ can be at the highest of levels. And, and that's not a bad thing. I think you need to have that proper pegging order. I mean, even if you look at the Warriors, I think Kevin Durant is a better player than Steph Curry and more valuable on a per-player basis to the, to the NBA. But... To the Warriors as a team, I still think Steph is the most important player for that team. And the pecking order is Steph 1, KD 2, when all mm-hmm. is equal and everyone's healthy. Um, and I think it, it, it's, it's not necessarily about, totally about skill, but about how the setup makes everyone else better. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like what you're saying is that a lot of it is situational, and so it's hard to figure out how to rate someone when it depends on the situation that they're in. Like, yeah. if they're not supposed to be the number one option, how do you decide how good they are at being number two? <laughs> and I think how many options in the NBA are better as a number two than C.J. McCollum? I, I think that's the best way for me to look at it. I'd say Kevin Durant is easily... The, the best number two option in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I would put CJ above Kyle Lowry because I think it's DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, How about Chris Paul and Chris Paul, James Harden? Yeah, I would say Chris Paul's probably number two. Uh-huh. Um, but, I mean, just Boogie off... and AD? Yeah, when healthy, again... The clear pegging order, even though AD is just on one and has been on for two months, whose team really was that? It felt like, I guess at least it's to AD me, it was, and then Boogie, probably. Yeah, it felt like to me it was still still AD's team. Uh huh. With the Thunder, Paul George is clearly their their number two guy, right? Um, uh-huh. But I mean, you go up and down the league, the number two guy in Minnesota when Butler's healthy is Cat. Right, was, it, it, yeah, is Cat. Um, but I mean, after that, you really start looking around the league and it's like, Hmm, would you rather have Gary Harris or CJ McCollum? <laughs> I can't ever even remember about Gary Harris until he's standing Gary right Harris, in front of me. Gary Harris is a hell of a player. <laughs> he too, I know he's he, a really good player, but I always forget about him. But I think when you start thinking about these things, Bradley Beal, uh, I think is right there with, with CJ. Um, okay. But, I mean, when you really start thinking about the pantheon of number two guys in the league, CJ's right there in the mix of it. And I think mm-hmm. if you're talking about rating a guy, 
I don't think he's overrated in that position. I think he's very properly rated. He's one of the best shooters in the league. He showed you tonight what he could do. Uh, he's he, the ability to get hot and get rolling. He's not a defensive liability anymore. And there's very few mm-hmm. times where defensively you're really worried about him. I mean, the guys that you're talking about are, you know, a Jimmy Butler or uh, DeMar DeRozan or a Devin Booker. You're talking about some of the best score, uh, James Harden. You're talking about MVP candidates and some of the best scorers and physical nightmare matchups of the two in the league. So, I mean, as far as rating goes, I think he's right there. I can understand why somebody might see him as overrated, though, because of what's expected of the top dogs in the league. I, I, he could be overrated if you're expecting him to be Damian Lillard 2.0 or, mm-hmm. you know, right there with Damian Lillard, then yeah, he could be overrated. But I think in this instance, I think where he's at, the expectations that are set upon him, the responsibilities and what he's supposed to do night in and night out, I think he's properly rated. Properly rated as the number two option on the team. Correct. Excuse me. If, but yeah. Apologies to anybody listening. My mic is popping. It's much better to hear my mic pop when it mutes than to hear me dying from this just hell cold. Oh, <laughs> from your lingering, lingering cough. And yeah, sneezing. Uh, I've got to work my way to the doctor. They're, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who's also a doctor who's recommending me to go because he's fairly certain it's walking pneumonia. So, mm-hmm. yay. Uh, well, you'll, you'll, I'm sure you will beat it as you have conquered so many other ailments that you have had. <laughs> and I'm sure you'll keep us all up to date on how that fight goes. Oh, yeah. Too, are you kidding right? me? When, when I'm sick, everybody <laughs> else is going to know it. I, I, we I, sure do. I'm going to like share it every day. the whole town bit. gets to get in on it now. No. Yeah. They didn't. Oh, the Whoever's looks... making you sick didn't know that how many platforms you had to describe <laughs> your sickness to. I'm on radio, I'm on TV, I'm on podcasts. <sighs> everybody will know that I am sick. I am miserable, <laughs> and it, everybody else will bask in my misery, damn it. Well, a blazer win sure seems to help out a lot, though. It makes you feel like you're more ready to... It makes you feel like you're on the road to recovery more than... Uh, probably a blazer loss right oh yeah absolutely i mean we're we're at that point now so now this this is this Ooh, is feeling had, good i i forgot we have one quick question or i don't know if it's quick it'll probably be pretty quick one question from isaiah de los santos shout out isaiah uh, member of blazer's edge one of our one of our new editors no Yes, we, we put it out there uh, if anybody had any questions, and he wanted to know what happened to the bench, and he wanted to know in all capital letters. Um, is this the subject of a whole other podcast? Yeah, no, oh. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of use this as a bridge to, I think we'll, we'll discuss that once we see how the team does another week outside of the um, the winning streak. But tonight, yeah, they with were... the real possibility that Dame will be missing some games, yeah. at least one or two so coming we'll, up. So we'll see some some guys probably have to step up. Uh, tonight, they they got their butts kicked. 36 to 8. 36 to 8. That's, that's wow. Um, they got outshot 61% to 29%. Uh, they did out-rebound the Thunder bench, so yay. Was this that. a situational type? Uh, disparity, or um, is it just that Arbet hasn't been playing well lately? That who hasn't playing well? Been playing well? 
that the Blazers bench hasn't been. Are, yeah, you I know mean, what? Is this because- the last couple of games, Pat Connaughton has been in the right spot, taken the right shot, done the right things. The damn ball just won't fall. It's, yeah. it's very, very much Luke Babbitt-esque, where if you remember when Luke was here, right place, right time, taking the right shot. Martel Webster, very much in the same vein. And every time those guys shoot, you think, that's a good shot. That's the right shot to take. Mm-hmm. And it looks good leaving their hand that it hits the back of the damn rim. And you're just mm-hmm. like, yeah, they just give it a little too much. God's sake, man. Would the ball fall? And I, I think that he's just in a slump and him personally, he'll figure it out. And I think Terry Stotts and, and the it, coaching staff, and his teammates feel the same way because he's still getting minutes. He's still out mm-hmm. there doing the damn thing. And I think that's a testament to um, how this team is feeling about those guys right now. Um, Evan Turner is is banged up. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he looked like he was in a lot of pain. He right? did not look like a happy man when the floor mopper at Chesapeake mm-hmm. Energy Center, whatever it is, decided to leave that giant wet spot at the three-point line. Because when he slipped, the look that he gave was <laughs> one of just pure death. <laughs> Like I, mm-hmm. that that guy with the with the mop towel floor dryer thing was probably hiding behind the stanchion at that point in time because if Evan could have got to him, ugh, good God, this is not to insinuate that Evan Turner would inflict violence on a towel boy, but um, yeah, he he was not happy and clearly not because his back's been bothering him a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, his lower back's tweaked, and I can't imagine trying to play in the NBA. There's a lot of things that you can fight through. Playing a sport at a professional level where you have to run up and down on a hard surface for 30 minutes a night with back issues, nah, fam, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I well, think he gets he gets a, a a note from the doctor here as far as how he's been performing lately. Yeah, and Ed's never been a high scorer. He just shows Collins up and does the things he needs to do. He still hasn't really found his shot. He occasionally will hit a couple, but he's he, still He had a rough night struggles. tonight, too, and that's why he didn't see the floor. He was Yeah. He was out there for 10 minutes and was a was a minus 9. Well, he, and I'm thinking that Terry I was also thinking too that Terry starts starts is uh, in the last over the last few games, he's, he's pulled his minutes up on Collins's yeah. minutes. Yeah, he's he's, he's giving Nurt getting more sh- more shine and definitely pulling Collins's minutes back a bit. Um, yeah, Zach has he's not had more Ed and Aminu out there together, yep. and Zach has had some nice combination some not good performances lately. Um, and yeah. I, this is not my crap on Collins moment. I think he's probably hitting the rookie wall about this point in time. It's 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 about that time for him. So yeah. it's it's probably a good thing that he's getting his minutes back as as we say that I'm watching Collins get caught on a screen and allowing Raymond Felton ugh, to okay, knock down a three. So don't just dwell on that, Dan. It's not like no, he it's didn't it's, do it's, it's not Collins. But... It's Raymond Felton. It's just Ray, 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 Raymond Felton had two times yeah, tonight Raymond where Felton I just going off in this game uh, like when after when Turner after slipped, Evan Turner went down. Yeah. Like and he, Raymond uh, Felton got that goal. That was gross. He he he, he like flexed <laughs> and pointed and said, "Yeah, boy, I got this. I'm the man." I'm like, the dude fell down on a wet spot yeah. because your towel boy's a jerk. Well, you you did think, you, know, you did, towel, We don't you know did, if the towel no, boy is a no, jerk. No, this towel boy's a Raymond jerk. You towel boy, a jerk. if you're listening out there, screw you. All right. That, that's how he's I feel about this. He's the person from the Thunder who's listening to our yeah, podcast. He, he, he's the petty, spiteful guy. <laughs> he's like, the floors he's like, yes, I got podcast. him. I got him. 
but yeah, like the, the audacity to to get like that's that's why he's still booed. Like yeah. the, clearly, yeah, was, clearly right. he's still just a complete tool bag. Like yeah. th- uh, just maybe that could be our headline. Him. Raymond Felton is still gross. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I did use my headline last week. You know what? I went with it. I went with it. I went with it. And then I I, I, I was talking about it and I was like, you know what? It's probably a good time to start talking about coach of the year stuff. Let's use that as the headline. And I I posted it like what? Three in the morning, whatever it was. And my timing was was pretty decent because I think Carrie Eggers, Jason Quick and Joe Freeman all released articles that that same day to the to the same point. And I'm like, oh, apparently we're all kind of on the same page. Um, much like, you know, with a, a, a group of women living together, the Blazers media is in sync now. So we're, we're, we've reached that level. Oh, my God. We've, we're stopping on that note. It's is time to go. You, you spent too much time with the ladies today, Dan. Or maybe just the right amount. Just the right amount, yep. You know what it's like? Oh, my gosh. It's like, you know, do you know the the history of um, uh, Achilles was actually when he was a baby, his mom found out that he was cursed and that the gods were going to try to kill him. And so they actually put him in with all of the women and he was raised as a baby amongst all of the women to hide him and to protect him from the gods who were going to destroy him because they, so they knew like, they knew his that's weakness you. yeah exactly they you you guys <laughs> apparently the gods all know my weakness and it's 18 point yeah leads. i i think it's time to shut it down <laughs> <laughs> so with that you can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter. You are also invited to join us at on the Women's Hoops and Talks Facebook group. We have a it's a closed group, so you have to ask for an invite. But we, um, you know, welcome people who want to participate in that. And also stay tuned for when we announce when the next Women's Hoops and Talks meetup is going to be. We're probably going to do one during the playoffs everything going well and hopefully hoping the Blazers will make the playoffs. Yeah. How about you, Dan? Why don't you take us out of here? All right. So as always, you can find me on Twitter at D DMS are open as always. So if you guys have questions, comments, concerns, or just want to talk Blazers privately, please, by all means, and haven't gotten their fill of Dan Morang yeah. on ev- virtually on, from, every, from literally every, every single platform I, I, that there is. Yeah. I, I, well, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I still need to reach out and expand my carrier pigeon reach. Yeah. And you're not on the ham radio circuit. Yeah, yet no, either. no, no, I, I can do that. I, I can, I think I still have one in the garage, so I can dig that back <laughs> up, get on the, the trucker circuit blazer, blazer, check in one four. Um, <laughs> But, uh, again, want to highlight this one because this is going to be a cool opportunity for me and the other guys, for Joe and Shane and I on Blazers Outsiders starting Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, special appearance because it's a uh, Midwestern trip, so the time zones are going to be a little bit off. Uh, Blazers Outsiders will be hosting your immediate post-game show following the game, so you will have Jordan Kent and Michael Holton wrapping up the game, and then the next half-hour break um, will be picked up by Blazers Outsiders. So um, apologies in advance, um, <laughs> but we'll, we will be there. Uh, so please hop in, uh, join the discussion. We are simulcast on Facebook Live, also on NBC Sports Northwest, Rip City Radio 620. So, yeah, we are literally on all platforms, Facebook Live, uh, radio, TV, 
um, you cannot escape us. So good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, for Tara, uh, I'm Danny. Well, thanks for joining us, and make sure you follow us on Apple iTunes, on Stitcher, on Megaphone.fm, Party Almighty Baller Podcast Network, and SB Nation. Um, that's oh, and it. email us at BlazersEdgePod.com. There we go. I, I mean, knew I'm, I was, I'm sorry. I knew I was forgetting one. at gmail.com. I knew I was forgetting God. Slacker makes slacker. So many things going on. <sighs> yeah, so, yeah, all of the platforms. <laughs> Until next time, guys, we'll catch you later. Take care. <laughs>